Hey guys, welcome back. BDC Gary here. We're back with our weekly Q and A slash just whatever we want it to be uh, video slash podcast. Links in the description mm-hmm. if you're on YouTube, which you probably are, to access this on all, I shouldn't say all, a lot of major podcasting platforms mm-hmm. kind of whatever well, i don't know what's happened when spotify ended up buying anchor and stuff like this feels like there's at least some sort of consolidation in the industry yeah uh and one thing that i know is that while it was still anchor uh they sort of changed around which stuff uh, it would be uploaded to they specifically made it uh work on less platforms yeah uh but then they said if you already have it set up right uh you will have to do it manually if you want it on these platforms but if we already set it up for you when yeah. you first signed up, it'll keep cross-posting. Right. So have we actually, we might need to check. Nobody's yeah, given know. us feedback that it's not available on them. I, I think the number of people who are actually paying attention is probably yeah. small enough. And importantly, uh, the RSS feed link lets you add it manually to whatever platform right. you want. I right. recently actually, for another podcast, uh, added something manually via RSS feed that was being done through Spotify podcast. And I only realized because the URL is still anchor.fm mm-hmm. uh, for the for the podcast distribution interesting anyways uh sort of one thing that we wanted to talk about which is we might have mentioned in passing maybe not but we've started watching or we had started watching we've now finished watching the spin-off to the boys Mm -hmm. generation v yeah and it was really good it was it's a great show it i was surprised at how compelling and good it was i sort of you hope it's good because it's from a universe that you care about. Right. But I'm not going to pretend like the boys is some sort of blockbuster IP that like I knew they would only do right by. Right. Right. So I, you know, figured it could be almost anything. And it's funny because it was it was filmed at uh, U of T and for people who know we're in like the greater Toronto area. So the boys was filmed in Toronto. Uh, the mm. spinoff show was filmed in the greater Toronto area as well. It was on the like Mississauga campus of right. U of T. Um, and so it's kind of, it's kind of cool for, for a good show to come out mm-hmm. uh, that feels like it's sort of made here. Right. right? It has a little right. bit of the DNA of the city, even though they're always pretending it's someplace else. Right. Right. Um, but yeah, the show is really, really good. Yeah. The, I mean, it, it has a lot of, sort of over the top kind of sex and violence. Um, but I feel like as a show, it had something really interesting to say about the kind of the way power works mm-hmm. and what, what it, it's interesting, right? Cause it's not just the, the interesting stories to me sometimes are you always, there's always stories that are possible about, the big characters, the important characters, the people are in the headlines that are responsible for sort of the bigger shifts in history. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to me when you can tell a sh- story in that world about the people who are affected by that. Mm-hmm. It's not even necessarily that there's actually in the generation view, there's lots of stuff happening in history, but these are just the smaller people and the implications of this world that you've introduced that has all these elements, right? The superheroes, Compound V, all yeah. that kind of stuff, and what it means to the other parts of the world that we might recognize, right? Because it, it doesn't <laughs> all just go away. You don't just dump it and it's only... Yeah. You know, in the old days, comic books were really just superhero stories and, and nothing else. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's a huge shift with the Marvel comics, especially Spider-Man, where you actually got more of the story yeah. of the non-superheroing 
moments of his life. And in some ways they were much more important. And it seemed like, I think that was a big change in, you know, comic book storytelling. Yeah. I think one of the things that I'm interested in is because we've sort of seen a lot of comic book stuff turn into series and spinoffs that mm-hmm. increasingly become tied together. Mm-hmm. And with Generation V, there is just enough interactions with sort of main plot kind of stuff that could or that might or might not come back in the boys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some of it, I'm not going to spoil anything. Some of it, I imagine, will. Mm-hmm. Um Although it's hard to say for sure. I kind of want to know if, and this is something we'll only be able to figure out in retrospect, if this is going to be like a true spinoff series or if it's going to be kind of like the way a lot of Marvel stuff works, where this is like the boys season like 3.5, where important stuff happens that you need to watch this to really fully appreciate the future seasons of the boys. Comics always had those kind of, um, what do you call them, those events, those crossover events. So it wouldn't be it wouldn't be uh, some new precedence. Yeah, but that I think that was one of the things. And the good news is with uh, the boys, at least, that it's a lot. Um, it's a lot less stuff, right? There's only the two shows for it right now, mm. so it's not like Marvel where you need to watch a bunch of movies and then you need right. to watch shows. Like I know one of the big criticisms that people had with like the Mandalorian was that Book of Boba Fett was like resolving Mandalorian plot lines in like certain episodes of it uh even though the show is mostly not involving the same characters mm. so you had to watch this whole other show or you need to like look up a guide on which episodes of book of boba fett you need to watch as part of your like experience of the mandalorian and it just becomes so sort of like tiring so it's an interesting word you chose to use earlier saying spin-off because it's i don't know that they've actually said it's a spin-off right the reason why i, I say that because i i come i come from a background of watching a lot more you know, network TV. Yeah. And back in the day when there were spinoffs, some of them were real legitimate spinoffs, right? Like Three's Company was very popular. The spinoff was Three's a Crowd. So, you know, um, Jack uh, got married or something and he was no longer living in um, the situation with the two women pretending while pretending to be gay for the landlord not to give him grief. Mm-hmm. And then you have other spinoffs like Mork and Mindy was a spinoff of Happy Days, but in no meaningful way was it. It was that they wanted to launch this new show, so they had Mork like and Mindy. one episode of Happy Days? One episode, they showed up in Happy Days, and then they got their own show. Yeah. Like, it was that kind of... So, it's interesting to me. I, oh, what was it? So, um, Wikipedia calls it a spinoff. Right, but it, uh, did they market it as that? Like, th- this is a judgment people make I don't know. It, right? it's, I think they just market it as, like, part of the boys universe sure. you know yeah but i think that's that's totally fair and what it's doing to for me is it's telling a different kind of story in the universe and of course it's going to cross over like it reminds me a little bit of yeah they say from the world of the boys comes right. gen v right yeah see and that seems more fair i think i think when people say that's a spin-off they're putting something there that was they're bringing their own sort of judgment and opinion and inserting themselves in, in deciding what it is when it's not really intended to spin off. I feel like it's a parallel story. Like, so there's a, a comic book called Marvels that was written by Kurt Busiek and drawn by Alex Ross. So Alex Ross does those painted covers. He's really famous for doing like the, the realistic um, superhero shots that are really majestic, right? Like they're, mm-hmm. you might recognize it. I think you would recognize it. He did um, a TV guide cover when they were doing Superboy. 
uh, the TV show back with, um, I don't know how many years ago. Anyways, th- that doesn't matter. The idea, though, was Marvels was a story about the ordinary people that saw what happened. Like, they were involved. You know, they, they'd recount stuff that happened in the Marvel Universe. Yeah. But from the perspective of the normal people that were affected. And Generation V isn't normal people, right? But to me, it feels like that. It's not meant... It's it's not... It, it, it's not in it, Marvels was not in any meaningful way really a spin-off so much as it was um you know it's a retelling it's like Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead or those kind of stories where you're fleshing it out because you're um like the way Mists of Avalon was a story of Arthur but told from a different perspective yeah you're making a lot of references that I don't know okay but... so it's just there's lots of there's a long history of that where they're... you're like there's other examples like these things that yeah. I, you've never yeah, heard yeah, of yeah. and I'm like yeah those probably are you, yeah, I, don't, I don't think you're lying to me right now but <laughs> it doesn't mean it well, hopefully it connects with somebody but it's the idea I think it's kind of neat it's it's really they're they're flushing it out by um giving more depth to the story that they've already told yeah I think it's really good. I think it's yeah. like a natural extension of it. I think it does some stuff yeah. different, but it's telling uh, a really interesting story. I think it's hard to imagine someone really liking the boys and not liking Generation V. Right. Uh, to me, at least. I'm sure there are people who do, uh, but the, the reasons somebody would like one and not the other are unclear to me. Right. You know? But it's like you were telling me... What was it that you were telling me that there was somebody who really oh you were telling me that somebody who liked the star wars universe really did not like andor you're telling me last was it what during we did this during one of the podcasts right yeah uh it was well i think we talked about it outside of the podcast i don't know if we brought it up in it but there was somebody uh was like a like a movie or like a media content creator uh and there was a clip of him that went around of him basically saying and i'm gonna butcher it like these aren't the exact words so you can find the clip of like um, it was going around on Twitter where he was like, oh yeah, you know, Andor was really good and whatever. <laughs> like, I know it's like, like well done, like super well written, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but like I found it like really boring and I almost like fell asleep. It's like, you know, you're like, like a film student or whatever. But personally, I, I, you know, it was so slow and I like could barely like get through an episode without like falling asleep. And so like he, the way that he said it was good kind of dismissively, almost like, yeah, it's, of course it's good. Everybody says it's good. But I actually, and then goes into talking about, like, what really sounds like a show that he did not enjoy watching at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and yeah, it was it was really interesting because it was just, I think, that sort of the tension between going along with the popular opinion for it. Right. And then clearly having, like, a different sort of view of it where he was talking about it really derisively like it was like pretentious right right and and i didn't watch that original video but the way you're describing it too makes me think that the guy missed the point like i i actually found that was the best star wars thing i'd ever seen yeah because of the just how rich everything was not rich in a way where you just throw a bunch of aliens so there's a lot of stuff going on but just wow aliens instead it was that there was yeah, and that guy would call you pretentious. <laughs> and this is, I, I know nothing about film. Yeah. I just know that um, it was meaningful. And when I saw it the second time around, it was even better. Mm-hmm. I, I said this last time. Yeah, but there was that scene with Marva where I was just actually tearing up a bit. And I didn't, it did, didn't play that way for me the first time. Anyways. Yeah, there's um, so, a, lot of, a lot of good TV. So, yeah, so getting back to the point, though, I think that you're right. I think there's a huge amount of overlap between the people who would enjoy um the boys and generation V, which makes sense. Cause it's in the same universe. It's got yeah. a lot of the same sort of sensibilities. It's got yeah. 
uh, some shared. It's got a lot of shared DNA. Right, which and you would I have to. Have. I think so. To me, the boys has very much a coming of age story for Huey. Right, I mean, he's grown already. Yeah, but there's a, a level of maturity that he achieves at the end. That he didn't start with, and in that way, it feels like a coming of age kind of story. I don't see. I wouldn't have thought of it that way at all. But see, that's why I think Generation V has that huge amount of overlap because Generation V is very much. Uh, another coming of age story. It's like young adults. It focuses mm-hmm. on. I mean, how what you know, young adult uh, YA uh, fiction. Yeah, a lot of it is defined by the protagonist, right? Yeah, it's not necessarily. You can have protagonists that are young adults, that, not in a YA story, but often it is. And I think you know, Generation V is. You know, you're already there. You're in university. Yeah, they're figuring themselves out. They're finding their way, and they have a character who literally is even more emphatically um, trying to figure her way in a world that she doesn't understand. Yeah. I would say it's definitely worth a watch. Mm, uh, If you are willing to, if you're willing to deal with sort of intense graphic subject matter. Yeah. uh, And especially if you've already watched the boys, I would watch the boys first, probably still. Uh, I can't see a huge reason to jump straight into Generation V unless you really didn't like the boys but wanted to like it. But if the thing that turned you away was sort of the violence or the sort of mature content, it is hard. It's there. It it would be too much again. Yeah, Yeah, (laughs) it it probably wouldn't be that much better for you. Yeah. 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 Uh, So anyways, getting into maybe the video. All right. So I want to point out a couple of things. So this is always interesting. What I really like about how I've been doing Injustice lately, where we have the recap where we talk about the challenge character. We played for a little bit give you some tips and talk about some of the interesting spots. And then we continue to play a little bit. So we have footage for the Q&A right after. Yeah. And it's funny how you think you've got a real handle on it. And there's always just a little interesting point. So Suicide Squad Deadshot was the main character. If the footage is right... Um, so, or actually, I should... Here's a poll. Tell If you're listening to this, let me know. If we've got full footage, like full ultimates, do you want us to just end the footage as close to when we end talking? Like just let you finish watching the fight? Or do you want to finish the ultimate? Let us know in the comments. We're happy to oblige. The footage is already there, but I've always trimmed it just so that it's not like dead air and just video. Because in one way, it's almost kind of arbitrary where the ultimate ends, right? Like the, the extra fights aren't different there's not like a, a narrative arc or closure you get but, from watching the last but fight they're supposed to get harder yeah that's true so there's a level of progression right so it's always interesting to watch a team it's always interesting to see the situations but all right so suicide squad Deadshot. that what's neat is you know there's certain situations with any character that if you play them enough because they don't show up that often you discover them almost and you figure you learn stuff so suicide squad dead shot has the thing, his special one really pushes characters back. And you notice that if you block after you get land an unblocked... If you block yourself after you land an unblocked special one. Yeah, because you're not sort of both jumping towards each other right. to meet in the middle. But he's got such a short latency period, or refractor period, sorry, it's such a short refractor period. So after he finishes special one, he can do special one right away. That if he does that, and he starts his special one before the, the opponent gets up from being knocked out, mm-hmm. it doesn't do any damage. So uh, when I first saw it, the, uh, the first few times I saw that, I thought maybe his gunshot wasn't ranged enough. But it is. It's because they were still down. But with the Claw of Horus, you can still shatter the gear. 
when it doesn't hit and you get your power back. And mm -hmm. so you can do that a few times. It's just interesting. Like there's just, it's just that, um, there's little nuances to a character that you you discover when you yeah. end up put, just putting in the time. Mm -hmm. Anyways, I thought that was neat. And you might even notice, I mean, whoever's watching, if you notice anything else, I'd love to hear what your comments are about Suicide Squad Deadshot. So there we go. Moving on to our first question of the week. This one comes from one of two things. It's either Daniel or actually more than two things, but I can read this two ways. You, you, we were going through it and I was practicing pronunciation. I think it's either Daniel Klimek or it's, as you pointed out, Daniel K. Lime K. Yeah, I think it's more like a clinic. 4867. But I saw the lime in there. Yeah, hard to say. As always, you can let us know if you're we're pronouncing it right and correct us for next time <clears throat> if you're commenting again. This is a very long comment, so we're only going to read chunks. Uh, they literally at one point say, if you're still reading, and then at the end say, like, sorry for the essay of a comment. But it's also because we talked about a team that they have been sort of theory crafting and working on for a while. So they have some, like interesting feedback worthwhile to right. consider so we probably won't read the whole thing uh because it would be like a couple minutes of just reading out this person's comment and yeah you're you're here for our, our response in addition to the comment right so daniel says uh there were some interesting points about the flashpoint team and while i do agree that flashpoint deathstroke and flashpoint aquaman are criminally underrated i don't think that deathstroke is the star in a full flashpoint team he does have a powerful combo ender which synergizes very well with gauntlets of azrael super pills etc <laughs> However, I find that it tends to be somewhat unreliable. For instance, in the current online meta, knocking out an enemy with a basic attack puts you at risk of being hit with Master's Death Guard, Tantu Totem, or both. And with Deathstroke's combo ender taking three to five business days to finish, you're very likely to be hit with a special as soon as the opponent tags in. And then this same principle applies to enemies with Astro Harness. I'm going to so disagree with that. Like, I just think the... So... <sighs> The reason why, I mean, that's a secondary effect, right? The reason why Flashpoint Deathstroke is, I think, the best Flashpoint character on a Flashpoint team mm -hmm. is that he is the best for doing a special. Like, his special one is the most powerful of all three. He gets the benefit of extra hits on his special one because of it, because the the pirate crew come in to help. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a secondary benefit that his tap combo ender has so many extra hits. And I'm going to put it to you that it's never worse to have more hits, to do more damage. So if, you know, the worst extreme of this is uh, regular Doomsday. Mm -hmm. What does he do? He does two swipe, two hits on a swipe combo. That's no good. I mean, it just doesn't, you know what I mean? Like, it's just being able to keep the enemy off balance is amazing. So if the worst case, if, you, if you're ever relying on your basic um, damage dealer... Yeah. I want him to finish character. I want him to be strong enough to be able to finish them. And if you can start a combo on the person that you started on, they cannot block because you're finishing your combo because it's sequence, right? Yeah. I don't think there's anything bad in that. You want to knock them out. What's the alternative? You don't knock them out? Somebody else knocks them out? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so at some point, if we're never going to, in the current meta with Tantu Tone, we're never relying on the basic damage dealer, right? Yeah. So, if he's ever called into, um, if he, we, you ever require him to be the basic damage dealer, the fact that he's able to get in a combo uh, without the enemy being able to interrupt, yeah, how is that a bad thing? And that's the secondary ability. His, his first primary ability is that his special one does so much damage that he can basically knock anybody out 
who doesn't have Astro Harness. I mean, in multiplayer, mm -hmm. right? So what, let me just see what else. Um, so it, which other Flashpoint character is a better basic damage dealer? Not Batman. Batman doesn't do as many hits. Not Aquaman. Again, I think it's... it. The yeah, point. and actually, if you want to hear, to maybe respond yeah. to what Daniel's saying, because Daniel does specifically say who they think is the best. Right, which is... I wanted... The next part is... I hadn't actually thought of it. I think it's actually more interesting okay. part of it. So we'll say, in Survivor, he performs a bit better on average. The mass team healing from his combo blender is great to utilize, unless you want to go higher than round 12. After a while, the healing suppression modifier just completely cripples all of your healing, and the only way to heal is through the boost between fights. Yeah, I'm not even as, if it's not a Phantom Zone requirement, I'm not interested in healing anyways. I want him to have more output. You give him Gauntlets of Azrael, if you need to heal, you're in trouble already. I think damage output, faster damage output is always, I mean, if you watch your teams, that's really mostly it. Yeah. Um, but it's an interesting point, though, that, that I hadn't thought of, that there's going to be different considerations mm -hmm. for which one of them is going to be best in multiplayer versus Survivor. And I think it's interesting because, well, anyways, we can get to the point that I think there's a better point later on too. Yeah. And the, the problem with us, <laughs> I guess, is that we don't value Survivor very highly, right? Right. You kind of just want to get through it fast. Like getting into those higher levels doesn't really feel like there's much additional value. Right. It's like bragging rights more than it is like utility right. of actual, like your time. Right. Return on investment. It's a, it's a investment concept where how much are you getting back for what you're putting in? Yeah. And the amount of time that you have to put in at the beginning, like clearly augmentations are super valuable. Um, and if they're, if you were not able to play as much survivor as you wanted, if you ran out of survivor opportunities each day, then I'd say, okay, so maybe that's fair that you want to go further, but you're right. It's not a good use of your time to try to finish survivor because those last few fights just take a long time and you can really motor through, I think the first I want to say nine or 10 fights, like relatively quickly. Mm -hmm. And then it slows down a bit and you just finish it off, get your um, last laugh tickets. Yeah. And then you're, you're good to go. At this point, I think we've got as many augmentations as we need. So I'm not even really that interested in Survivor anymore. Right now, I'm just getting a lot of, putting in a lot of time, a lot of mileage on multiplayer. Yeah, it's true. The rewards don't really mean anything anymore. Uh, so well, I'll keep reading maybe a little more of the sure. comment. IMO, so in my opinion, it's Aquaman that's the star and Batman that's the top tier plan B. In online mode, gearing Flashpoint Aquaman with Masters, Death Guard, Tantu Totem, and Claw of Horus, like you do with pretty much all your special specialists, allows him to shatter gear when he needs to or fire off a special 2 that brackets with Batman's crits and some crit chance augments will almost certainly knock out the current tagged in enemy. Yeah, and so th there's different approaches. I think Flashpoint team, it gives you flexibility to do a lot. I'm actually of the mind that on the Flashpoint team, at least, with Deathstroke as your basic or your special specialist, third gear doesn't need to be, and it, it can be, it doesn't need to be Claw of Horse. The only time Claw of Horse really, really matters is when the enemy has Astro Harness. Yeah. Right? And if Astro Harness is not in first slot, then Deathstroke approach, where we have given League of Assassin's Knives and do splash damage, often enough splash damage to really... Uh, significantly uh, reduce the health of the enemy. Yeah. Uh, Astro Harness isn't that big a deal anymore. Um, and if Astro Harness is in first slot, you could spend the time... Um, well, you could save some time with Claw of Horrors. Mm. 
but you're also doing that at the cost of damage output. So in the cases where there's no astral harness, you're you're killing a bit of time by reducing your damage output, right? Yeah. So I think that there's a bit of a toss up. It's a bit of a wash for me. You could that's not an awful approach, but I I, I save that claw horse approach typically for teams that have more trouble or who really can't bypass astral harnesses quickly by doing a lot of splash damage. Like, there's lots of characters that have... You give them League of Assassin's Knives, they'll do splash damage too, but they don't do enough damage on their special one to make it worth taking up a slot with it. Yeah. But Deathstroke does. They, I, I don't... I'm not sure what to say, what else to say about this, but um, Astral Heart is really the, the main thing. I, I want to say the only thing, but it's the main thing that slows down fights. And you can either speed it by shattering gear, but then you're committing all the time. So, I mean, the, our approach has always been using... Um, that's why Flashpoint Aquaman on our Flashpoint team is first slot. With mm -hmm. Astro Heart, sorry, with Claw of Horus and with Razagul Scimitar. So there's a one in three chance. Well, actually, technically one in four, right? Because 75% chance of shattering gear. Yeah. Three gears on the team. There's a one in... So out of the four times, out of every four times, three times of shattered gear... Out of those three times you shatter gear, one of three chances it's going to be Astro Harness that you want to get rid yeah. of. So you get rid of Astro Harness one of three times. And then it doesn't matter. And it doesn't cost you a slot in who's the guy who's going to really uh, handle the opponents. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot more stuff in the comment. We probably don't need to read the whole thing just because a lot of it is like sort of the specifics in how Daniel gears the team. Yeah. And then also how that tends to play out in sort of Survivor and yeah. online multiplayer but i guess the sort of it's it's a great comment overall right this is somebody who clearly plays a lot yeah. with them and i think it's a great example of how sort of uh differences in play style and preferences and what you value uh right. can really sort of change how you view a character right. i just want to make sure too i'm not picking on them about what they're doing right it's not that it's wrong it's that i have a different position because of the way i like to play yeah and this is the beauty this is this was always amazing to me about Injustice, where there's enough variation and enough differences in the characters yeah. that they built in that they didn't have to, mm -hmm. that lets you do this kind of thing. Yeah. Where there's different flavors of your approach to both the in-fight strategy, but also how you set up your team and what you're going to do with your team. Yeah, because Daniel clearly has really thought this out. It's a really thoughtful response. Yeah. And this this is absolutely true for daniel right yeah. for for who daniel thinks is better and they have a good reason for believing what they do and they've laid it out actually very clearly here right so there's a difference in opinion here but you know they're thoughtful enough that it's hard to tell if it is just you know how they play or maybe a little bit of what they value value sort of differently right it's not sort of clear from seeing and hearing both of you out, because we did read the right. whole comment, right? right Even though right. we're not going to go through it here. Uh, and, and we we say that, but I do want to give Daniel credit for the... Interesting, because I haven't played Survivor in a while. Yeah. And if you know what, if you want to read through... Uh, let me just do this. So Daniel says, I do gear Flash from Batman with uh, Killer Croc companion card, Batman Ninja Helmet, and Giggle Soda, which used to bore the hell out of me in online, but it's grown on me now. I've only realized recently why this setup is so good for the player as opposed to the AI. With a full bar of power, you receive no damage from basics or specials, and 40% of enemy specials are reflected back at them courtesy of Flashpoint Aquaman. This is actually a lot less niche than I thought when I first started using the setup, especially in the late survivor mode stages. 
using that, not blocking any specials that came my way, and using basics when I had the chance is how I beat Survivor Fight 16. So I like that. It's interesting. I'd be If I was playing Survivor again, I'd be tempted to try that just to see, because there's lots of variations on that where you can set yourself up to do to take no damage. Yeah. And then whittle them away, whether it's, um, I can't, I think it's Merciless, where tagging in and tagging out causes um, damage over time yeah. on the opponent. And, you you know, th- there's the other variation with uh, Aquaman with the Atlantean hero, where you tag in and out, have an Atlantean hero to mm-hmm. eat some damage, but also just bleed the opponent over and over because you yeah. get a bar of power for free every time. Mm-hmm. And Aquaman's built-in um, damage over time on it is quite nice. Yeah. No, that's good to point out, actually. There is some good information there. Yeah. 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 Uh, so we probably have time for another question, especially because it's a quick one. This one comes from Francesco Ferraro 7052 and they say, I just restarted playing after years. What is Phantom Zone and why is it always expired? All right, so what's, okay, can I say something about the names? If is it, does, is it just me or does it feel like the last few times we pull questions, it's people's names with numbers after? Yeah, it's hard to, I think that's one of those things where when you make an account, uh, I think this is maybe a holdover from like Google Plus usernames, potentially when they did that integration, because I know that a lot of times when you have like your YouTube account, unless you edit it, your default is now just your name and you can have multiple of the same name, right? Uh, so you get a lot of sort of like people's actual names. And so I think you kind of, this might just be because you sign in, your account name is Francesco Ferraro. And then to distinguish you as a user, it just gives you different numbers after your at automatically mm. assigned to you because that I, I can't remember the last time i've actually like had to interface with like a youtube account because it just it's they're all automatically made for you based off of your like gmail account now right or your your right. google suite of products so i don't know it's hard to say exactly where that comes from anyways so the question is uh what is phantom zone and why is it always expired so the first part is easy what is phantom zone Phantom Zone is another mode where you have tasks that you need to complete. It's like a quest board, basically. Yeah, and you get prizes. And you can get a bunch of interesting prizes, lots of stuff that's good. You can get some special characters, especially if you finish it and do it at the end. It's I don't know that the number of times you have to do stuff matters. But I think the key is that there is one resource that you cannot get anywhere except for in phantom zone yeah because it's not like a game mode in and of itself it's uh it's quests that you then take into sort of the other game modes like online multiplayer sort of the single player whatever so you can get the characters you can get gears you can get nth metal but valorium alloy is only available there valorium alloy you cannot get anywhere else it is required for um fully developing your metal characters so if you don't get valorium alloy if you don't do phantom zone you can't get valorium alloy if you don't get valorium alloy your metal characters are stuck where you can't properly develop their passive or their specials. Yeah. So that's the easy part. So the that's hard, what it is. Yeah. yeah. So the hard part is why is it always expired? So the it, it is not. So there's uh, I think when it's not running, it there's a finish thing across where it should yeah. be. Or for most players, it is not always expired. For you, right. it seems like it is. I guess, and it depends. Have you been playing for more than two weeks? And if you have, it's basically on a two-week on, two-week off cycle. Yeah. So usually there's two weeks of Phantom Zone, and then it ends for two weeks, and then it comes back. 
Yeah. And what we've found is that there are certain, let's call them events. So Phantom Zone is an event. Uh, every new challenge character each week is an event. Yeah. And those two have, people have had this bug where it neither shows up properly unless they reset their game. Um, and I believe the main culprit is still at some point shifting your clock while connected to the server, there's um, a disconnect between your device time or and or date and the server time or date, and so then the server stops. Yeah, sending you signals for events, and that's probably it. So how do you fix it? Um, there's a bunch of things you can try. Definitely, if you clear your app data and then relog in, then that often works for people, but it doesn't work going forward unless you do it again yourself. Yeah. So that requires you knowing that you need to do it to have stuff show up. But it's not a bad thing typically to do it once a week anyways if your challenge isn't showing up. Yeah. So those are our two theories. And then our advice would be to watch our weekly recaps if it's not up. Uh, and then you will be able to figure out when it's supposed to be up for you. Right, right. And then you'll actually be able to identify it as a problem instead of just like you haven't been playing for long enough for it to see it come back. Right. Uh, and then the second step is if it is a problem, then do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there we go. Uh, that'll do it for this week. To finish up, we'd like to give a huge thank you to all our lovely supporters on Patreon. And that would be uh, Michael DeVries, Irvin Ruiz, and Hoshi127, who are supporting us on the credit level. A few other names that you're seeing are people who have supported us at some point during this pandemic or during the pandemic. Yeah, so thank you so much for your support. Thanks so much to all of you for watching. We'll see you next time. Komoda. Komoda.